The swamp without a still is just a tent. A martini without olives doesn't quite make it. And Mash Minute is intended for mature audiences. Put on your headphones. Listen for the tone of your favorite podcast, Mash Minute. Well, it's a minute-by-minute detailed analysis. Of the movie without which the series wouldn't exist Megan and Tierney And guest will make three Goddamn army MASH Minute Welcome to MASH Minute, the Movies by Minute podcast that's analyzing the Robert Altman film MASH one minute at a time. I'm Tierney Steele. I'm Megan Coleman. And I am Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully, the host of Sully Baseball Podcast and producer of Real Crime Profile Podcast, and a guest on way too many of these movie by minute podcasts. <laughs> we have kidnapped you. It's great. Today we're gonna make you talk about Bastin. Bastin. Yeah. Bastin and terrible accents. It is minute twenty-two, which begins technically with Father Mulcahy hurrying away while reading his Bible. Yeah. And it ends with Duke's awkwardness at New England friendliness. <laughs> this is yeah. just how you get to know people up here. It's just, you know. And he, I, I'm, I'm skipping ahead, but like when he sits between them and looks back and forth between them in just complete like confusion <laughs> and dismay that they're literally both just going to sit there silently drinking, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, let's let's not. Uh, I don't. I wasn't here for the previous bit, so I don't want to not pay tribute to the wonderful Rene Aubergenois as as he's called Dago Red in this film, not as Father yeah. Mulcahy. And of course, I I want on my iPod Tokyo Shoeshine Boy uh, to play at all times. <laughs> one of the things I I don't know if this came up in one of the previous minutes or not, but one of the things that was really revolutionary about this movie when it came out was it was one of the first films, if not the first major American film, that poked fun at the belief of God. That believing in God was something that you could have fun with in a movie. I mean, you you made Frank Burns's piety was a source of comedy. And whenever there's a, you know, an overtly sexual moment in the film, somehow Father Mulcahy is somehow stumbles into it, whether it's... <laughs> Yeah, you know, whether it's, it's this scene or when, you know, Frank Burns and Hot Lips are f- they put it on the overhead, you know, the, the loudspeaker, you know, there, there's always a moment that Dago Red sort of wanted, and the fact that Painless confesses his homosexuality to Dago Red, it's, it's, he, it's, it's always, it has to put him at an awkward position of sexuality, but they make fun of Frank being religious and mm-hmm. and they make fun of father mulcahy's you know having to awkwardly deal with sex and mm-hmm. you know this scene here is just one of the many scenes where there's something awkward sexually and of course the great rene Aubergenois, who is, is such a wonderful comedic actor later from benson and everything and just so fabulous as a as a very different father mulcahy than the tv show because William Christopher's father Mulcahy was just very a very sweet and loving and revered character in the mm. TV show, and in this, Rene Bergenois gives him some humanity, of course, but he's 
essentially a comedic punching bag in the film when you really think about almost every scene he's in he has to play what does it matter it's only a game you know all this great scenes he has where you know he's he's playing having a little fun there so yeah well and no one ever gets their comeuppance for yeah. making fun of any of the religious characters yeah that's actually mm-hmm. that ties in perfectly to this introduction of trapper yeah because i was like oh so this is going to be one of those guys and i realized Burns is probably happy to be out of this tent, to be honest. Oh, Frank's thrilled. <laughs> yeah, like, it was this whole thing of, oh, you gotta get Burns out of our tent, but, like, he does not want to live with Trapper John. No. There's no way. No, <laughs> no way. He's probably much happier wherever they've stuck him. Yeah. I wonder what, he probably, do you think he has his own, I actually never thought, of, I've seen MASH more times than I cared, to the point when you send me the minutes I was like, oh, yeah, I don't even need to rewatch him. I know what minutes these are. It's funny. I never thought of, I wonder what the hell happened. You know, whether he was, you know, he they stuck him in with Bandini or someone like one of the other, you know, surgeons or That's whether they my, gave him his own yes. tent. Yeah, you know? my guess is that he's with, like, Bandini and Sax and a couple other guys. You know, because yeah. it, it, th- that would be more yeah. even. Yeah. It's, or it's Ugly just... John. Ugly John has to share yes. a room yeah. with him. <laughs> oh that'd be an interesting combo. but they'll just ignore each other i mean ugly john spends all his time over at painless's playing poker what does yeah. he care he seems like a very laid back sort so, of guy yeah but uh all right let's get back to the tent because trapper john's setting up pictures of his kids and a nude woman yep <laughs> so he has wife two kids one boy one girl and a very large pinup mm-hmm. yep yeah, so not, cool yeah not cool. much I I also have uh, two kids and uh, a large a large pinup. Uh, <laughs> All right. I mean, I I, I can't I judge him. Duke has been I... swaggering all over this film so far. Yeah, so. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Well, I love that Sutherland is taking off his overalls or his like his mm-hmm. his his scrubs. Yeah, his scrubs and everything in this scene awkwardly and getting into his uh, getting into his his warm stuff. So what is that? I, I, I literally wrote Snuggy in the notes, but it's not. <laughs> it's like long over under, long underwear that goes over. I, you know, I mean, it, it looks of, it, so warm. I want one. <laughs> it sort of reminds me of like a mechanic's outfit, but like yeah. fleece. Mm. That's probably. You know, I don't know I if mean, that's really the right terminology, but yeah. I mean, I mean, Korea got cold at night. It got so, cold. So, I mean, they probably had all sorts of long johns and things like that from the army. So, I mean, this is just probably, uh, you know, he's putting on the the army surplus snuggie while while Duke, <laughs> while Duke is super cool sipping his uh, coffee or whatever he's sipping there. For the love of God, let that be the title of this episode. <laughs> and Ho John is making God knows what by the. He's making bedpan gin. Yeah, he's got the bedpan right next to the uh, tent pole right there. Like like bathtub gin, but even grosser. Yeah. <laughs> even less sanitary. Yeah, so while we're critiquing, um, Duke looks effing hot in his sweater. Yep. I don't care what he's sipping, I'm in. Um, <laughs> Hawkeye looks comfortable. I want one of those when it's so cold. That yep. would make getting to work much better. And Trapper is the trendy one with his parka that yeah. I swear to God could be on sale in Target right now. Right. Or or worn by Han Solo on Hoth. Yes. <laughs> or maybe uh, maybe uh, Kurt Russell in the thing. I can't quite figure out that thing. But yeah, the big furry you Arctic know, Explorer esque yeah. jacket. 
That's the kind of coat I had. Uh, I had a maternity parka that I swear to God weighed as much as my kid does now. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> I should have named it. It was a member of the family. And yeah, it was this where you could just disappear into the hood with the fake fur. Well, his probably isn't fake, but mine was. When, and we're introduced out. Of course, there's a massive continuity error in one of the previous minutes where you hear Trapper calling out during one of the surgery scenes. You know that massive, I'm sure you pointed that out in the previous minute when Dago Red has to give, he wants to give absolution to the guy who's dead and then they need yeah. him to hold on. And you hear Trapper John say, Dish, can you be a long needle holder or something like that? And it's, oh. it's, it's, it's one of those continuity oh. errors that you don't notice it because they don't cut to him. And it's not really no. important. It's the, the the focus of the scene is Dago Red, not yeah. You know, and the idea yeah. that that guy who needs first rights shouldn't take priority over the guy who's still alive. But yeah. it's clearly a scene that was supposed well, to be later in the film. Yeah, uh, and Megan, in my summary, it's someone else calls because I couldn't idea. It. Yeah, you couldn't yeah. figure it out. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, no, there, it, I have very few places in my notes where I literally could not at least hazard a guess based on the voice. And that was one where I'm just like, I don't know fucking right now. You watch it again, it's it, it, it's Elliot Gould. Oh, I love and, that. And it's, from, it's obviously designed for a later part in the film, but the flow of the film, they needed to have a scene like that there. Yeah. And so, and I mean, how many times... you don't see him... You don't see him. And so, you know, and, and it doesn't really... It's not important to the to the movie. But so you could say, technically, he was introduced in that scene. and it, it, blah, 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 blah. But this scene is the introduction to one of my oh, yeah. all-time screen heroes. All right, I'm just uh, going to sit back and let you and Megan talk. <laughs> <laughs> I love Trapper. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's one of my favorites. Yeah. In, in the TV show, too. All right, Hi. so here's the thing. Going through and doing my notes for this one minute at a time. By midway through the movie, I don't remember exactly where it was, but I had written down, like, do I not like Trapper? Is he yeah. not a good person? Oh, he's not. <laughs> and so, well, I mean, but, but none of them are. I mean, I'm yeah. over here defending Duke who can't keep it in his pants for five seconds. <laughs> uh, he, he tries to do a Boston accent. It's so bad. It's so bad. Yeah, it's he's awful. He's so confused. Yeah. Um, but, it, it, yeah, Trapper makes some decisions that make me pretty mad at him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I completely, 2019, I completely agree with you. And I'm going to say some things that may not put me in the best of light. I don't know when you all discovered this movie. I discovered it in the mid-80s when I was a huge fan of the TV show. And living in living in Boston, or living in the suburbs of Boston, and watching it on Channel 38, the reruns. And then there was a movie. What? There was a movie? And so I think, oh, <laughs> there's, this must be exactly like the TV show. And I watched it, and it was... It just stunned me. The movie, the first time I saw it, like caught me off guard because it, it's so much more mean-spirited than the TV show, which had a tremendous camaraderie and family to it. And everyone seemed very mean in this movie to me. And the second time I watched it, but it stuck with me for whatever reason. Mm. Uh, and then I, I, I taped it off of the movie loft on Channel 38 in Boston. Yes. <laughs> Which used to not edit stuff. That you could have left in the swearing and everything oh. like that on a UHF channel. And so, <laughs> you know, yeah, there were commercials in it. And I still expect the commercials when I rewatch it. Like, and here, and it's going to fade out. 
the movie loft theme will come in at this point. But it instantly became one of my favorite movies of all time. By like 84, 85, I wore out the videotape that we taped it off of. Because I just, and, and part of it was, I thought, I mean, everyone is great in this film. It's a wonderful cast in this film. And I didn't know who Donald Sutherland was. I didn't know who Tom Scarewood. I didn't know they were both, that they're both wonderful dramatic actors. To me, they were comedic actors. But it was, Elliot Gould was the movie to me. That I just mm. thought his his comic delivery, his swagger. I, and I, I tried to grow, there were two mustaches in the 80s <laughs> that I wanted to emulate. The one yeah. was Tom Selleck as Magnum, and the other was Elliot Gould as Trapper John McIntyre. And I grew a mustache when I was about 15 or 16 years old because I wanted to be like Trapper or Mag. And believe me, my mustache looked terrible. Oh, but, please tell me there are pictures. Oh, I'll send you a picture. <laughs> we of me got, a, we got a Facebook group. Let's uh, get you I'll, in I'll, on I'll that. Forward, I'll forward you that. I'll you that. But yeah, I mean, he, he, his comic delivery, his timing, just everything about Trapper made this film cool to me. Now, in one of the later minutes, there's a very big huge example of why his character is problematic for my eyes now and my sensibility now but as a young person watching this i wanted to be i just thought he was just funny and every line delivery and his attitude of just i was seemed to have this great swagger and the fact that he could have this big head of curly hair this big mustache and he wasn't a classically I mean, obviously, Tom Skerritt's a better a mustache. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's Tom Skerritt's Tom Skerritt's uh, is unquestionably a better-looking dude than Elliot Gould. But to me, my eye goes to Elliot Gould that he was that he just was this comedic force, and at the time, film could do no wrong. I, I'll cut to the we'll 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 get into depth of this, but this scene is such a wonderful comedic introduction. Oh. To him, but also, and then there's a great showcase for you know, the talents of Skerritt and of Sutherland. But one of the things, and of course, this becomes much clearer later on, is that he's got this huge jacket, and at one point he pulls out a beer from him, and he pulls out <laughs> the thing that he opens the beer, and of course, it mm -hmm. sprays out perfectly. And of course, we find out later there's more stuff in it, and so there's this sense of it's almost like. It's almost like Mary Poppins's bag. Like, how much stuff is he going to pull out of this thing here? Yes. You know, and that makes the scene, the timing of the scene, just things, the awkward pauses, that great cut to Tom Skerritt at, minute, at second 45 of him kind of coughing like, okay, I guess we're paused here as he's, <laughs> as he's opening up his beer can and spraying all over the place. And, you know, that, and he breaks the silence of, back home, I told you before. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, as if to say, I'm trying to start a conversation with you. <laughs> and and one more quick thing, I'm sorry, I don't mean to filibuster here, but and we're all we're all New Englanders. I mean, I haven't lived in yep. New England for a while, but I was born and raised in New England. And one of my great pet peeves in life watching movies is when someone attempts a New England voice and they can't pull it off. I'm always saying, just if you can't pull it off, use your regular voice. Mm -hmm. George Clooney, that in The Perfect Storm, who made no attempt at a Boston accent or anything, he just sounded like George Clooney. Fine, we know what you sound like. You know, for <laughs> for every you know, The Departed oh. has so many horrible sounds and oh. Mystic well, Mystic yeah. River and even and even times where it's totally unnecessary, like Captain Phillips 
with Tom Hanks or or <sighs> or Catch Me If You Can with Tom Hanks. It's like we we don't we don't care if the guy had a real accent. We don't know what the real guy sounds like. You <laughs> so, please sound like Tom Hanks. And I love that even though Elliot Gould, even though um, Trapper John McIntyre is Bostonian, he's like, I'm Trapper John, yeah, yeah, I'm at the <laughs> oh, match, God. I'm at the match far out 7-7 in Korea. You know, like, no, he just, <laughs> he just is going to sound like Elliot Gould because, you know, none of us sound like Kennedys. We're all New Englanders. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, I'm going to go to Harvard, yeah, da, da. You know, no one's... I went to Dartmouth, right? You're like, I'm, oh. oh, God, I'm going, I'm going down to see my family in Bridgeport, and they're going to have some chowder. You know, it's not... I mean, <laughs> yeah, you meet some people like that, but you also meet people who, like, I sound like I'm from the Northeast, but I don't, like, you know, I don't sound, you know, like Mayor Quimby. And so I love... <laughs> I yeah. love that that Elliot Gould just uses his voice because there's the yes. fact that Trapper John is is from Boston uh, provide is is almost you know other than the fact that he's a New Englander and and Duke is a Southerner but even that doesn't play it off doesn't much. Doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. everyone's the, from somewhere. The the funny I, thing is is that when Altman first approached Elliot Gould to play to be in Mash, he offered him the role of Duke. Mm-hmm. And Elliot Gould turned it down, turned down the role of Duke because he said, "I didn't think I could pull off a Southern voice." And, Whereas uh, Tom Skerritt decided to make a career of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of things that aren't from where you think they're from, although they were and they kind of are. <laughs> welcome to Pap's Blue Ribbon Minute, where <laughs> I have all feelings about PBR and how it's not from Milwaukee anymore, but it kind of is. But that's the Miller, like that's not the same. What I love <laughs> is that I looked up the years. It was brewed in Milwaukee, 1844 to 1996 was the original company, and wow. sales peaked in 1977. So perfect. And why? Why in 77? What was it? Was, was it Star Wars? Was it the death, death of Elvis? Well, what would have? What? <laughs> that it was very popular, and that just happened to be the high point. And after that, it trailed and trailed and trailed throughout the 80s until it reached the sadness that happened in 1996. Um, it is so past the brewery is based out of Los Angeles. There is PBR brewed in Wisconsin, but it's by Miller Coors. Mm. And also pissing me off is that there is no (laughs) mention of its use in mash in its Wikipedia page or anywhere on the official page that I saw. Oh, yeah. I decided not to like, ruin all my credibility with my works IT department by looking at things online. So I didn't go too deep into it, but I mean, in the regular, you know, where it's like, oh, Pap's in uh, PBR and popular culture. Here's all the songs that have lyrics about it. Here's the movies where they make references to it. Nothing of MASH. I mean, we could have a PBR watch on this podcast. It's featured so many times. Oh, yeah. I'm not seeing it. Oh, did they mention in the Wikipedia page uh, Blue Velvet? Um, I'm not seeing Blue Velvet either. Because there's a moment I'm seeing in... Reno 911, and Brian Seltzer has a song that mentions it. You know, oh, the scene, there's a scene in, in Blue Velvet between Kyle MacLachlan and Dennis Hopper, and they were talking about having a beer, and um, Kyle MacLachlan says Heineken, and Dennis Hopper screams, Heineken, Heineken, blue ribbon <laughs> no and to um, me that's i was 
a young, I was a, a teenager when I saw Blue Velvet. I'm not going to do Blue Velvet Minute. You know, that was my introduction to the concept of Pabst Blue Ribbon was Dennis Hopper. So I can't hear Pabst Blue Ribbon without also somewhere in the back of my head hearing Dennis Hopper scream that. So. There's apparently a Boston ska band called Big D in the Kids Table that features numerous songs that include Pabst Blue Ribbon in their lyrics, including Lin Lin, The City of Sin and Shining On. Was that featured on V66? I know, right? <laughs> Boy, by the way, that is, talk yeah. about an in-joke for people and lived in Massachusetts for a very specific period of time. For those of you who don't know what V66 was, there was a UHF channel, Channel 66 in Boston, which for one year decided to take on MTV. And they started showing videos, and they, did, they had a lot of local bands with incredibly cheap videos of local bands wandering around, you know, you know, Harvard Square and everything like that. But then they would also show like, you know, Culture Club and Talking Heads and, and everything. And they had VJs. And when there was no video like for Raspberry Beret, they just had someone videotape the lyrics on a on a on a chalkboard or something and scrolled down so they could play Raspberry Beret on their their station. And for one year, every kid I know watched the show and it must have had the same accountant as the fire festival because they lost all their money in that one year one day we're trying where's v66 why is it not on anymore and then you find out later oh it was the 80s and they were probably snorting everything into their brain at that point but <laughs> for one year for all these people because not everyone had cable tv back then a lot of places in massachusetts didn't and so we could watch, for one year, we watched all these music videos on V66, which was the coolest station. And then it just, I would watch a 14-hour documentary on the history of V66 because <laughs> it probably has more coke use than Scarface. And, uh, I'm going to say, next uh, true, well, crimes are being committed. Next yep. uh, podcast you want to produce. Oh, man, yeah, the V66 minute where we, every day we break through another... <laughs> Another oh horrible moment of the life of V66. So, man, I did not expect to bring up goddamn V66 here. <laughs> but I brought the movie loft in Boston. Why don't we throw the it for Why not? Why not? Uh, yeah, so there's just enough of an age gap where you and Megan have more of a shared experience than me. But Megan and I are the same gen. Like, we're practically the same age. Or am I a little bit older than you? I don't know, whatever. I think I'm just a couple months older. But I'm 40. Okay. I'm not going to ask your age. I'm 46. I was born in 72. And... We're 80s babies. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, but one of my sad things is because I am not a cool hipster now, yeah. I've never had a PBR. And now I really? feel like it would be a thing. I don't want it to be a thing. I just want to enjoy No, I'm How a How are we a friend no, in grad school it. and I never got you to drink a PBR, even ironically? I I feel I failed you. I'm sorry, Terry. Well, unless you got me so <laughs> drunk and then I drank a PBR and I don't remember it. This, but I don't uh, black out when I drink, so I would have remembered. Yeah, like, no, we never got that drunk. Yeah. Um, and I've never had any beer that I had to open with a can opener. There you go. Well, well that's, that's a sign that that's a 50 I'm assuming it went can opener, tab, because um, in uh, in Dazed and Confused, it shows them using the can opener, and uh, then later they're playing with the tabs that they've pulled off. 
I, I remember know that's the, a goof for that movie. I remember the tabs. I remember uh, growing when I'd go down to Connecticut to see my grandparents, and they would have a all of the cans of Seven Up in their fridge. I would pull the tab off of that. I remember. Mm-hmm. I remember when it went from the tab to the thing that you push down like they have now that was right around the introduction of diet coke which i'm guessing was 83 84 yeah that sounds about right because you know that was ironically that ended tab and the end of the tab but um <laughs> that was an under completely i'd like to think that it's a coincidence but. well see i think of that as the t- the thing you push down and click yeah. up and then if you're a middle school girl, you pull it back and forth while saying the alphabet and whatever letter it breaks off in, you'll marry a guy whose name starts with that letter. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. P- and then you can put him on a necklace and be super cool. I mean, a choker. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not a necklace. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd, it would, it would, look like, you know, it looks like almost a Polynesian sort of like shark teeth around your, your neck or that. <laughs> thing that Jessica Lang had around her neck in the remake of King Kong just before they wheeled her out there. No, you make a choker and you thread it through both sides that it lays flat against your neck. <laughs> well, I didn't play that game. I was too busy. I was too busy Doing watching the Red Sox and memorizing Monty Python sketches to go on and say, okay, I'm going to break my, my Coke can and see what girl I'm going to marry and, and try um, to... Uh, to be fair, it's also a sign of sex. It's the same thing like pulling the label off your bottle is supposed to show sexual frustration. It's just something to do with your hands before you have anything to do with your hands. <laughs> well, then I've ripped many a uh, label off over the years, but that's neither here nor there. Boy, we took a we took a we took a turn here. <laughs> we took a turn. Welcome to this minute. Yeah. So can openers, drinking a beer. Oh, what is on the board behind Hawkeye? What is you see it, it in yeah, later it, minutes. It's playing cards, but like, what? Oh, what? What is this? Wait, yeah. Are you, yeah. I hmm. mean, the the dartboard. What are you talking about? Here? That doesn't look like a dart. Any dartboard I've ever seen. Is that what it is? I thought it was a dartboard. I mean, it's. A, uh, I remember that in the TV show, The Swamp. Yeah. There right. was a dartboard on the on the door there, and so I just always assumed that maybe but it was a different like, dart game. Yeah, in the in the maybe it's a different dark. Yeah, maybe it's a show, maybe it's a Korean maybe it's a Korean dark game. They actually are in Korea, and as they said, they do have to make concessions. They are three miles from the front line, so maybe they can't get like an Irish pubs one. But that could be like a uh, a Korean game of some sort. I just pulled that out of my ass. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Dust it off. Yeah, just keep an eye on it because again, I've always just assumed it was a dartboard, and then I'm looking at it like that's not a target. Like, and then in later episodes, you see, and it looks like you know a a spade or a heart with a number in it. So I'm like, I maybe I don't know. It's playing cards, but it looks like the periodic table of elements right now. I don't know what the hell it is. Can you? Because I used to when I used to watch the TV show Mash, and by the way. A lot of the TV show MASH did not age particularly well, but, uh, man, if you do watch some of the reruns, make sure you watch it without the laugh track. With oh, the laugh track. Oh, I, yep. never, I don't think I really watched it with the laugh track, unless it was on television. I, There's I some grew up season with it. where that's all they have. Yeah. That's true. I think it's season six or something. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up they with it. it. I grew up with it on uh, the laugh track. It was before I knew anything about television production, and I wondered... Where's the audience sitting, and where are they? Are they dragging them all around the the campus? Because that's a different Aww. set. And then I realized, oh no, 
it's the same reason there's they're laughing in the monkeys and the Brady Bunch because back then they didn't trust people. When you watch it with a laugh track, it's cringeworthy now. When you laugh it without a laugh track, it's quite a good show. I, I used to think the the swamp was so cool because that's where you know Hawkeye and Trapper and BJ live and everything like that. Can you imagine how much the swamp would have stunk? in real life just how <laughs> yeah. uncomfortable the just the bo you know that they that they're working late hours in the in the or they don't care about taking a shower at night that place probably stinks that's probably why it was called the swamp but they have a dartboard on their door i mean like that's really cool yeah i totally copied them and did that in my well it wasn't on the door in my room because i had french doors to my bedroom but i had a dartboard in my room and then I made the sign that looks like Margaret's on her, you know, the Mage M. Houlihan knock yeah. before entering yeah. that I brought with me to college. I can't understand why I wasn't more popular. <laughs> where do you go? Where do you go to? Where do you go to college? Uh, I ended up going to UConn in stores. Oh, that's I was born in uh, uh, Willimantic. Oh, <laughs> Rockbridge. My mother, mother was a grad student at UConn when I showed up. And, you know, she got her doctorate there. But, yeah, UConn, I, I have no memories of that. I mean, I was, I was, I was very young when I was born. But yeah. we, uh, we moved after my mom got her doctorate. But, yeah, I was, uh, I'm, uh, I was born in uh, Willimantic, and my parents brought me home to their house in Mansfield Center. So there yeah. you go. Yeah. No, then you'll understand well, I've never won an argument with my mom because she was pregnant with me while finishing up her – She'd gone to secretarial college, and so when she came back, she decided to get her actual bachelor's. Yeah. And she was pregnant with me and didn't fit in the seats with the little fold-down oh, desk. Yeah. yeah. And had to get a special <laughs> seat. And, you know, for that pain alone, I've never won an argument with a no. woman in my life. <laughs> Nor you won't. Yeah, I went to NYU undergrad and oh. um, Washington State for graduate. So, yeah, there you go. Well, yeah, growing up outside New York, all my, all my friends who actually did what we all talked about went to Tisch. So yeah, um, yeah, Tisch, Tisch School of the yeah. Arts graduate, nineteen ninety four. So there you go. Aww. Washington State much later after that. <laughs> well, now that I'm and nobody, my nobody went to nobody went to Androscoggin College. I don't know anyone who went to Androscoggin <laughs> College. That would be a trick. Yeah. If you went to Andrew Scott, if you went to Hawkeye's alma mater, please contact me and also your uh, mental health professional of choice. <laughs> is that a fake college or is there really an Andrew Scott? It's a fake college. Okay, I, I, th I always thought so, but I thought maybe there's so many of those tiny, obscure colleges yeah. in New England yeah. that that's why you ever... <laughs> sure. We're good. Well, we'll get there. Yeah. I got theories about where Hawkeye went to school, but oh, okay. <laughs> I'll wait till he actually starts telling us stories about it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I have anything else for this particular minute. I'm, I'm out. And I I'm think out. all my notes on Elliot Gould are for tomorrow. Yep, all right. I just, I love, it's frozen on Duke's face at the end. And I just love, I guessed it on um, the Mallrats minute yeah. with a couple of Jersey guys. And we were talking about how, you know, flirting is insulting people. And watching <laughs> this minute, I'm just like, sitting in respectful silence is getting to know your new neighbor. <laughs> and yep. Duke just being totally out of it is very adorable right now. He's out of his element. It's kind of nice to see. <laughs> yeah. 
See, he's getting taken down a peg in the very first minute that we meet Trapper. <laughs> so, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> you plugged at the top. You are involved in several different podcasts. Yeah, follow me on Sully Baseball because I'm going to be uh, on Twitter at Sully Baseball because there's going to be some announcements of how the baseball podcast is going to be this season. Gone through several format changes, but it's still going to be me yapping about baseball. And uh, But also check out Real Crime Profile, which is a real crime podcast that I produced for the Wondery Network. We've gotten a couple of nice notices and awards recently for our good work there. And there may even be a couple other new podcasts that, um, because I figure two is not enough. I may <laughs> need to just keep doing this. And uh, But just follow me on at Sully Baseball on Twitter, and I make all my announcements there and make all my baseball observations there as well. Good follow. If you follow me on Twitter, One Steel Sister, you can see a list I have that's uh, baseball is the baseball is life. Oh, such is baseball because such is life, such is baseball. Um, and you're one of them and a lot of other good baseball Twitter follows there. So, come oh. Megan, yeah, you also have baseball thoughts. I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm and... only a rabid Red Sox fan who chose their college because it's down the street from Fenway Park. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> true story. The worst reasons to pick a college. True. Trust me. Yeah, th this is true. Yeah. I'm at Meg's Charms, M-E-G-G-Z-C-H-A-R-M. I know it's a mouthful. You can blame my sister for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I tweet about lots of things when I remember Twitter's a thing. <laughs> So come back tomorrow, remember that we exist, and we'll talk about the next minute of MASH. Finest kind. Uh.